Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. The Rose Bowl. The game that inspired the college football bowl season has a long and storied history. The stadium itself is 100 years old, and in celebration of it, Pigskin Dispatch is assembling some of the top historians and authors to share the memories, people, and events that make the granddaddy of them all the special game that it is. Enjoy this Rose Bowl memory from pigskindispatch.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com, your portal to positive football history. Welcome once again to the Pigpen. It's a great day as we're talking about more Rose Bowl history. And today we have another uh, melody of various Rose Bowl games. We're going to talk about the 37th through the 42nd Rose Bowl. That spans from the years 1951 and 1956. So a lot of these early 1950s Rose Bowls are going to be covered right here in this episode. And we have some good ones with some great players and coaches that uh, participated in them. So let's start off uh, by talking about the 1951 Rose Bowl. It took place January 1st, 1951, marked the 37th annual Rose Bowl game. And as the ninth ranked Michigan Wolverines champions of the Big Ten Conference, and their opponents would be the California Golden Bears, the winners of the Pacific Coast Conference. Pappy Waldorf was the head coach of the Bears. As Michigan was led by Benny Osterbahn, a former legendary great player for the Wolverines, now coaching uh, the has a headman of that great organization. And the Wolverines had won their conference in dramatic style by upsetting rival Ohio State by scoring a 9-3 victory in the infamous snowball game played in 21 inches of the white stuff and a freak blizzard in Columbus, Ohio. Now, for more on that, you can go to the search box uh, of pigskindispatch.com and type in the 1951 snowball game, and you'll have that uh, more information on that game with Ohio State. But that's that's how they were decided to get the invite to the Rose Bowl as a contractual agreement that the best Big Ten team would play the best of the pack 12, or at that time, the Pacific Coast Conference. It wasn't the Pac-12 yet. Now, Cal was the early favorite in this contest, as it was the Bears' third consecutive trip to the Rose Bowl. Well, the game kicked off, and it started off fantastic for the Bears, uh, you know, because they ended up having their player, Pete Shabaram, busted loose on a 77-yard run on a game's second play for an apparent touchdown. However, an illegal motion penalty nullified that score. Ball was brought back, and Cal lost a little bit of moxie and momentum in that. The Golden Bears got it rolling again in the second quarter when Bob Cummings caught a 39-yard touchdown pass from Jim Marinus, but Les Richter missed the extra point. 
Now, it was a 6-0 Cal lead, held up until the final quarter. That's when the Wolverines' heavy-duty running game started to take its toll on the Bears. Wolverine fullback Don Dufek punched in the ticket on two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and was named the player of the game as Michigan rallied to win the game 14-6 for that great Rose Bowl victory. The following year, 1952, the 38th game in the Rose Bowl series, was a bit of a blowout when the Illinois Illini of coach Roy Elliott banged around the Stanford Indians of coach Chuck Taylor in a 40-7 game, uh, a 33-point margin of victory for the Illini. Taylor was one of the famous Val boys from the decade earlier, and it marked the first time a person was in the Rose Bowl game, both as a player back as a Val boy and as a head coach here in the 1952 Rose Bowl. The Indians did lead 7-6 on a Harry Haggerston touchdown until late until the third quarter. However, the Illinois offensive machine then scored 34 unanswered points, 27 of them in the fourth quarter. All-American runner Johnny Karras showed off his talent by rushing for 58 yards and a touchdown for Illinois as part of a 434 yards of total Illini offense. Illinois running back Bill Tate was donned as the game's most valuable player with 150 yards rushing and two scores. Well, that was followed up by the 1953 Rose Bowl. It was played on January 1st of that year, and it was the 39th edition of the New Year's Day game in Pasadena. Wisconsin and head coach Ivy Williamson made their Rose Bowl debut, ranked number 11 in the country, and they brought a spotless 7-0 record into this game. The Badgers would face the fifth-ranked team in the nation, the USC Trojans of coach Jess Hill. The defense was superb in this contest for both teams as only one score was surrendered. A third-quarter touchdown by the Trojans proved to be the difference in this evenly matched game. USC wins it 7-0, and USC quarterback Rudy Bukic was named the player of the game. A future Heisman Trophy winner, Wisconsin running back slash linebacker Alan Amici finished the game with 133 yards rushing on 28 carries in a fantastic game for him, but could not cross that uh, goal line chalk. 1954's Rose Bowl. It was the 40th annual Rose Bowl game and it was a great ball game itself. January 1st, 1954, the Cards saw the Michigan State Spartans of Coach Clarence Munn playing against the Red Sanders-led UCLA Bruins. It would be the first time that the Spartans' standings would count in the Big Ten and so it was also their inaugural time that the team would be in the Rose Bowl game and be eligible for the Rose Bowl game for that matter. Their 8-1 record made the Spartans co-champions with Illinois. However, Illinois, since they just played in the previous Rose Bowl in 1952, was not eligible by conference rules, and that let MSU into the first dance in Pasadena. As Big Ten rules dictated, the school from East Lansing would be heading to Pasadena. The scoring of the game started on two Spartan miscues where they fumbled away the ball to UCLA and the Bruins capitalized on the opportunities with touchdowns. Michigan finally got on the board with under five minutes remaining in the first half. Spartan defensive standout Victor Postula batted down four Bruin passes during the contest. While the second half started turning MSU's way when head coach Biggie Munn's use of the split line offense started paying dividends against the Bruins. Michigan State put together two long drives in the third quarter to lead the game 21-14. The Bruins' defense did their part once again and forced yet another Spartan fumble and UCLA scored to pull within a point on a 21-20 lead, but the point after attempt was no good. 
Michigan State made it a two-score game when Billy Walls returned a punt 62 yards for a touchdown with only 4.51 left in the game. The final score was 28-20 Spartans, and Billy Wells, that kick returner, was chosen as the game's most valuable player. The following year, 1955, when the invitations were being sent out for this Rose Bowl in 1955, the committee was had to be just licking their chops. They could have had a de facto national championship game with a number one versus number two matchup on the slate. Ohio State coach Woody Hayes entered the Buckeyes into the Rose Bowl, his first with the team, as they were ranked number one in the polls. Uh, Pacific Coast Conference short-lived no-repeat rule prevented the number two UCLA Bruins from accepting an invite to the game since they played the year prior. So in their place was the 8-2 USC Trojans of Coach Jess Hill. Ohio State jumped out to an early lead and never looked back, cruising to a 20-7 victory over the Trojans. Ohio State quarterback Dave Leggett won the game's most valuable player award, closely followed by Buckeye back Hopalong Cassidy, who rushed for 92 yards on his own. Now, 1956 Rose Bowl. It was the 42nd Rose Bowl game and was a watershed moment in college football. The contest featured two of the day's most racially integrated football teams with six African-American players for the Bruins and seven on the Spartans team. This is a rematch of the 1954 Rose Bowl. Head coach Duffy Doherty brought his Spartans to the dance and this it was the time of the Bruins who had the highest ranking in the polls with Michigan State garnering the invite because of the Big Ten winner Ohio State could not make a repeat trip to the game by rule since they played the previous year. The Californians came out swinging as on the very first play from scrimmage, Bruin Jim Decker picked off a pass from Michigan State quarterback Earl Morrill and returned it to the Spartan 16-yard line. Bob Davenport dove into the end zone from two yards out to give the Bruins an early 7-0 lead. Michigan State responded a quarter later in the second when they engineered an 11-play 80-yard drive to not to score it with sevens. Earl Morrell. They made it a 13-yard touchdown pass to Clarence Peaks, and this was set up earlier by a Walt Kowalski's 30-yard run to the UCLA 17-yard line. MSU found their first lead of the day early in the fourth when Peaks threw a 17-yard pass to John Lewis, who caught the ball in the 50 and ran through the Bruin defenders to Pater. UCLA answered back when quarterback Ronnie Cox connected with Jim Decker with a 47-yard pass play to the Spartan 7-yard line, and three plays later, Doug Peters scored on a 1-yard ISO dive. Michigan State won it when replacement kicker Dave Kaiser made his first-ever field goal attempt count from 41 yards away and with seven ticks of the clock remaining. There was no time left, and the Spartans won the close game, ball game 17-14, Kowalczyk's was rewarded as the most valuable player honors after the game. And that is your Rose Bowl history for this day. Uh, some great sports history, great football history, as we talked about some great uh, games there in the early 1950s and mid-1950s. And we're trying to cover all of these uh, Rose Bowl games. So bring out some of the great uh, people and events that happened to the, at those games, as well as uh, you know just enjoying the great football history. So we hope you join us here as we have 40 days of Rose Bowl history leading up to the big game that will be marked the 100th anniversary of the Rose Bowl Stadium in January 2023. So we hope you enjoyed this. Hope you'll join us again tomorrow for some more great Rose Bowl history. Until then, have a great Gridiron Day.
peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, football fans. This is Ross, the host of the Pigskin Tales podcast. I just need a few moments of your time to talk about the host of the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, Darren Hayes. He's expanded the pig pen to search out information on the history of all team sports. It's a quest to find out about the competitors, teams, and places chronicled throughout athletic history through the uniforms and gear the participants used and wore. And he is taking you, the listener, with him on this educational journey to preserve sports history on the Sports Jersey Dispatch, found here on the Sports History Network. His newest podcast, called Jersey Dispatch, is all based on the jerseys that all the greats used to wear. You can find Darren Hayes and the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, as well as Jersey Dispatch, on your favorite podcast provider multiple times each week. So remember that, Darren Hayes, the host of the Pigskin Dispatch and Jersey Dispatch podcasts. It's found right here on the Sports History Network.